yo, as we were talking about earlier at the top of the show, this idea that, you know, Chattahoyak has this origins of farming, this idea that, you know, they, they, uh, have largely put away the, the hunting and gathering in favor of, of farming wild, you know, uh, of domesticating wild cereals and grains, you know, to farming them, of domesticating animals, you know, so the wild oryx became domestic cattle um, and goats and these kinds of things. Uh, but in reality, what we what we learned is that um, there there is very much a kind of not an either or uh, uh, thing happening, but a both and thing happening, right? Where they were. Uh, yes, they were engaging in this kind of, uh, of farming, of domesticating plants and animals, while at the same time still actively engaging in uh, hunting of wild animals, of foraging for wild grains and wild cereals. Um, it wasn't this uh, uh, mutually exclusive thing of like, you know, like I say, you know, this idea of the agricultural evolution is this idea that, you know, they woke up one day, um, uh, denounced all of the old ways and embraced the new ways. But that's simply not the case whatsoever. Um, and we see a lot of evidence of this in, in Chattahoyak. You know, another thing, and, and uh, here I'll just quote from them, uh, is, you know, one thing to emerge clearly from the newer investigations at Chattahoyak is the way in which household organization permeates almost every aspect of social life. Despite the considerable size and density of the built-up area, there is no evidence of uh, central authority. Each household appears more or less a world unto itself, a discrete locus of storage, production, and consumption. Each also seems to have held a significant degree of cultural uh, of control rather over its own rituals, especially where treatment of the dead was concerned, although ritual experts may of course have moved between them. While it's unclear what social rules and habits were responsible for maintaining the autonomy of households, what seems evident is that these rules were learned mainly within the household itself, not just through its ceremonies, but also its micro-routines of cooking, cleaning floors, resurfacing walls with plaster, and so on. All this vaguely reminiscent of the Northwest Coast, where society was a collection of great houses, except that the inhabitants of these Neolithic houses show no signs of being divided into ranks. Now, this is, I think this is really interesting. What we see here is, on one hand, uh, a simultaneously... Uh, like a collection of small of smaller units, right? So this idea that as you know, Ed was mentioning before that each of these longhouses, you know, would be composed of of like a handful of families living together, and there'd be a council of women um, who would be making decision and uh, and overseeing, um, you know, the use uh, and, uh, and storage and distribution of resources, of food, of clothing, things like that. Um, but at the same time, these individual houses, uh, you know, would be kind of these micro societies while at the same time existing in relationship to um, other micro societies, other individual um, houses. So, you know, what we see is also, I think, a, 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 a very kind of long scale duration of how things happen too. It wasn't, it wasn't the quick dynamism that we're so used to with life today. Like things did actually happen over much longer scale periods of time. They seem to be able to uh, think 
and act and plan at a, at a much larger scale, especially a scale that goes way beyond the you know quarter, you know yearly quarters. Um, you like know, humans in another yeah, society. Exactly, like they had the ability to have like political and social consciousness um, mm -hmm. that they were aware. Uh, and, you know, even thinking about things like. You know, as as they as they write, you know, the, they talk about how the residents of Chattahoyak, you know, placed great value on routine. I saw myself in these people. I said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> me, me and the Chattahoyakers, we are we are the same." Um, you know, <laughs> this idea placing great emphasis and value on routine. But I love this, like routine over long periods of time. You know, they say, you know, we see this most clearly in the fastidious reproduction of domestic layouts over time. Individual houses were typically in use for between 50 to 100 years, after which they were carefully dismantled and filled in to make foundations for superseding houses. They were doing something property developers now could never do, <laughs> building something to last for a hundred years, only then to carefully dismantle it because, and uh, so that you can then build the new foundations for an, uh, a new a new hundred year house on top of it. Um, I mean, this is a you know it's a really interesting uh, way of understanding how life was organized, where. It, it, as well, understanding this as being that this was not in the throes of the agricultural revolution. You know, this this wasn't taking place long after um, humanity had become agriculture or, or agricultural, right? No, they were able to have this kind of stability, this kind of fastidious care for uh, for for routine and and housing and material culture. This kind of ability to plan over very long periods of time while also remaining in place in one place for long periods of time they were able to do that without being solely agricultural in na in nature they were able to do that while merging both the hunting and gathering with the domesticating of animals and plants of of uh, of taking you know what they wanted from from uh, both of these kinds of modes of organizing life and this is, I think, really significant and already starts throwing a lot of uh, doubt on this, on this idea of the agricultural revolution. Oh.